Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm here with you guys today to share a solo episode where I'm going to be answering 10 of the most commonly asked questions around fat loss to give you some insight into how simple the process can really be and to help you understand that fat loss really is not a guessing game. Okay, there should be no guesswork when it comes to fat loss. Although the process at some stages can be difficult, considering that we're putting our body in a position that it doesn't want to be in by going into a negative energy balance, we have to understand that the the fundamentals and the principles of fat loss are actually quite simple. And every single person listening to this episode right now can choose at any point in time to change their body composition by following some very simple rules. And I hope you guys take away a ton of value from this episode and hopefully it answers some of the questions that some of you guys uh, may have. Um, and as I said, these are very commonly asked questions around fat loss and this is just my opinion, but my goal is and always has been to add as much value to my audience as possible. Ever since starting you know, day one in the health and fitness industry, my goal honestly has been to just add as much value and positively impact as many people as I possibly can by sharing as much value as I can through free content, so whether it's this podcast, whether it's my email list, social media, whatever it may be. That is my goal. So hopefully you take something away from this episode today. If you do, I'd love for you to share it with a friend. I'd love to hear some feedback. If you want to share on your social media, tag me in that. As Again, I would love to hear your feedback um, on this episode and hopefully it helps you guys. But let's get stuck in. So as I said, I'm going to be answering 10 of the most commonly asked questions around fat loss and just giving you my opinion on these questions. So the first one is what length should your fat loss phase be or how long should I be eating in a calorie deficit in order to lose fat? Now, this is obviously very dependent on how much fat you have to lose, okay? So I always recommend allowing yourself more time than you think you need in order to lose the fat. Now, the reason for that is because life is going to happen. Like shit is going to happen throughout your fat loss phase, whether it's getting sick, whether there's an injury, whether there's weeks where your motivation is low and you, you kind of fall off the wagon a little bit or whether you want to go away or whether you just want to allow yourself some more flexibility when it comes to fat loss because stress levels play a big role in losing body fat. So if your cortisol levels are constantly high, it's extremely difficult to lose fat even if you're doing all of the right things. So the duration is completely up to you but I always recommend allowing a little extra time in comparison to what you think you need. So for me, if I'm in a fat loss phase, if it's a really short period where I'm going quite aggressive, I might do anywhere literally from four to six weeks. But for the majority of people who are trying to do it in a sustainable and healthy way and in a way that's going to allow you to maintain that look and the physique and enjoy the process over time, I always recommend at least 10 weeks. Okay, And obviously, there's certain challenges and all this type of stuff where it's a little bit shorter. But in the end of the day, if you have the tools and the understanding of what to do to lose fat with your nutrition, with your training, with everything else then allow yourself more time than you think you need because the process will be much easier, much more enjoyable and the slower we lose the body fat, the more likely it is that we'll retain muscle mass and that is should be one of our main priorities throughout a fat loss phase to retain as much muscle mass as possible because the goal is not to lose weight, the goal is to lose fat throughout a fat loss period, okay? Anybody can lose weight, okay? Just completely cut your calories, do a shitload of exercise and you'll lose weight. 
It's going to damage your metabolism. You're going to lose muscle mass and you're not going to look that great by the time you lose it. And also it's not sustainable. Okay. And that's what leads to unhealthy relationships with food and with training and just fat loss in general. Second question we got here is, is it necessary to track your calorie intake? Now, my answer to this is very simple. In my opinion, yes, because we want to become the CEO of our own body. We want to eliminate the guesswork when it comes to fat loss. Now, if I know what my maintenance calorie intake is, all I need to do is eat in a slight calorie deficit. And by tracking it using an app such as MyFitnessPal or whatever you want to use, again, it takes the guesswork away from seeing results. So instead of focusing on what I'm eating every day or, or stressing around whether or not I'm going to lose fat this week or not, if I know that to, to lose fat, I need to eat a certain amount of food every single day and I can at least roughly track it with an app such as MyFitnessPal, tracking my calorie intake, my protein minimum, allowing flexibility with my food choices so I don't have to basically give up my social life or, or to basically go into a cave to lose some fat for a, a couple of months, I can still live my life normally, still enjoy a social life or whatever it may be. But by tracking your intake, which takes a couple of minutes every single day to track your food in the app, and I'd always recommend for those that are tracking to aim to uh, track ahead of time. So at least put in a bit of an idea of what you think you'll have and work backwards. So I always track my main meals first. So if you eat breakfast, track your breakfast ahead of time, put in what you think you'll have for lunch and what you think you're going to have for dinner or however many main meals you have for the day. And then whatever's left over can be used for your snacks. And that way you're going to reduce or, or eliminate or reduce the chance of blowing out your calorie intake. I've mentioned this a number of times before, but really start to think of your calorie intake like a financial budget every single day. And if we can get good at budgeting those calories out, again, taking the guesswork away from, from seeing results, um, but also starting to have a bit of fun with it and playing around with what our food choices are, keeping it interesting, which allows us to adhere to the deficit it's a lot more sustainable and we also create a much healthier relationship with food because when people have a bit of pushback around tracking their intake with an app such as MyFitnessPal, I, I always just ask the question of how serious are you about seeing results because let's be honest, we spend a fuckload of time on our phone every single day and if you're telling me you really want to lose body fat and you really want to get in shape but you're not willing to spend a few minutes a day tracking your food on an app, then I have to question how serious you are about actually seeing results because by eating healthy or clean, whatever you want to refer to it as, you're guessing your way to results or most likely not results. I can eat as healthy as I want but if I'm eating too many calories, it doesn't matter how healthy I eat, I'm not going to lose body fat because I'm not in a negative energy balance, which is required for us to see these res results. So that's really important to keep in mind. In my opinion, you should be tracking. And for those that want to intuitively eat, I think if you've got a lot of experience tracking, then you could potentially intuitively eat. But you know, for someone like myself who's been you know, tracking macros on and off for the last 10 years pretty much, I still use my fitness pal when I'm in a deficit because it takes the guesswork away, gives me peace of mind. It allows me to get creative and have some enjoyment with, with what I eat every single day. Um, and it creates that healthy relationship with food by eating or drinking things that may not necessarily be seen as healthy or, or whatever. Um, I don't see food as good or bad because there's no such thing as a fat loss food. There's no such thing as a muscle gaining food. There's calories. And there's obviously foods that are more nutrient dense than others that you know are much better for your health and are going to allow you to feel better, look better, and whatnot. But that's common sense. 
you know, like aiming for 80 to 90% of your intake to come from nutrient-dense whole foods where you're allowing that 10 to 20% to be left over for foods that you may be craving or you want to go out socially or enjoy a drink or whatever it may be, that's completely fine. We don't need to drastically change our life just to lose a little bit of body fat. The next question is how much protein should we be having? So I think as a rule of thumb, I always recommend two grams of protein per kilo of body weight as a minimum. So anything above that is completely fine. Um, so example would be a 60 kilo individual would need 120 grams minimum per day. Um, 80 kilo individual, 160 grams. I've just used those two examples because I'm shit at maths and they were just the easiest ones I could think of. But keep in mind that 120 grams of protein is not like 120 grams of chicken either. Okay, and that's where it comes handy. It comes in handy to be able to use an app like MyFitnessPal to have a look at, to get an understanding of what, the amount of protein you need per day per day actually looks like. And that's where I find, you know, supplementing with things like protein is just so convenient and allows you to hit that intake. Anything above that number is fine. But again, just making sure we're keeping in mind that as long as we track our calorie intake and our protein minimum and aim for majority of our foods to become to be coming from nutrient dense whole foods, we're going to be sweet. The next thing on the protein side of things I'll just add is that when we're in a fat loss phase, obviously we're in a negative energy balance. So our body's in a position it doesn't necessarily want to be in and our goal is still to retain muscle mass. So that's where you can look at bringing protein a little higher, you know, up to two and a half grams of protein per kilo of body weight if you want to in order to leave you feeling fuller for longer and retaining more muscle mass and also not to mention that protein is a, is a, a metabolic macronutrient pretty much, right? So our body can like uses energy to process and, and consume protein um, as well. It's more, sorry, not metabolic, thermogenic is the word I was, I was aiming for there, but just didn't come to mind. But it is very important to keep your protein high, particularly in a fat loss phase. Next question is what should I do with my strength training? Um, or the question comes around, you know, whether it's what should I do with my training or should I go high rep, lightweight or whatever? And the answer is, pretty much don't change anything really, to be honest. Going from a gaining phase or pre-fat loss phase where you're trying to build muscle mass, you're trying to build strength and you're doing your heavy big your big movements, your compound lifts and trying to build the numbers and progressively overload. In a fat loss phase, you have to think of the term use it or lose it. If I've built up all this muscle mass and strength in a gaining phase and then I go into a fat loss phase and just start lifting lightweight for high reps... I don't need that strength of that muscle tissue to be able to handle those loads, so I'm going to lose it. So I always aim to retain as much strength as possible, particularly on the big compound movements, and then use your isolation accessory movements as a way to add in volume and keep training fun or whatever it may be and train more so from an RPE or whatever. But the goal should still be, in my opinion, to target each muscle group twice per week as a minimum retain strength particularly on the the big compound movements and increase or progressively overload overload if you can which can be difficult depending on how deep you are into your deficit but you you shouldn't just completely change your training to try and lose fat like there's no such thing as a fat loss workout okay it's really important to understand that training makes up for a very small percentage of our energy output throughout the day all right so our goal is to retain that muscle tissue and the importance of this is when we lose the body fat, we need something underneath to show for it. So if I've got no muscle tissue and I lose the fat, then I've got nothing to show for it. I'm just going to look like a fucking 
a bloody light pole or a, a tree or a thin tree or a stick or whatever you want to refer to it as. Whereas if I have this muscle tissue underneath, once I've lost the fat, I now have the shape which creates the, the definition or muscle tone look that everyone wants. Muscles can either increase or decrease in size. The only way to make it look defined or toned is to have enough size and reduce enough fat to reveal the shape. That's why it's important to keep your training heavy and with good good technique and retain as much strength and, and muscle tissue as you can in a fat loss phase. Next question is around cardio um, and how much cardio should I be doing? I've covered this one a lot, but I think you should be starting with minimal to none in terms of cardio. Um, obviously, cardio is great for cardiovascular health, obviously our heart health and very important um, for our overall health and well-being. But for body composition, I start with minimal or pretty much no cardio. I purely try and expend most of my energy in my training in the gym with my strength and resistance training, eating a calorie deficit. Then once I hit a point where I don't want to do more sessions in the gym or add more volume or more frequency to my strength training or reduce my calorie intake any lower than what it is, I will then increase cardio with a small amount. And I'm just using cardio as a tool to increase my energy output. And that's how you should look at it. So cardio does not equal fat loss. And I've spoken about this before. It does not equal fat loss. I could do a fucking half marathon or a marathon every single day for two weeks and not lose any fat if I'm eating enough food. So just think about the negative energy balance and you can create that energy balance however you like. If you enjoy strength training, do more of it. Some of the, like the leanest I've ever been in my life, I did like zero cardio and that's completely honest. I think I did maybe one or two cardio sessions out of 16 weeks of this fat loss phase and I was absolutely shredded because I was expending my energy in the gym because that's how I wanted to look. I wanted to look muscular and lean. I didn't want to look like an endurance runner. I wanted to look like a bodybuilder in this case. So I retained muscle mass. Use, I didn't use any cardio pretty much. I used a little bit of hit at the end, I think literally two or three sessions. But just think of cardio as a tool and that's the best way to look at it. Uh, next up is, should I be having cheat meals in a fat loss phase? And the answer is a flat out fuck no. The reason for this is because if we are tracking our intake properly, and we're still incorporating all the foods we want and, and that we like, then we will never feel like a, a cheat meal anyway, firstly. And secondly, if, we, if I've been eating in a deficit for, say, six days in a row, right? So I've created this calorie deficit, which is what's going to this negative energy balance, which is going to allow me to lose the fat. And then on the seventh day, I just go nuts and eat fucking everything and I have a massive cheat meal and blow my average calorie intake out for the week to the point where I'm maybe not in a deficit anymore or at maintenance or sometimes even in a surplus then I've just basically cancelled out a whole week's worth of work just for one meal. The more, the smarter approach for this would be to track it in your intake. So have the food that you want to eat, but make sure you account for it in your daily calorie budget. If you don't have a very high calorie intake at the moment, then you can look at manipulating your intake across the week. So if I'm having 2,500 calories a day to lose fat and I want to have a day where I eat a lot, I might reduce my intake um, from Monday through to Saturday, for example, down to 2,300. So I've taken 200 calories from six days. Two times six is 12. 1,200 calories I can then add on to the seventh day. So instead of 2,500, I'm now having 3,700, 
which allows me to eat foods I really enjoy, which are more calorie dense, but I'm still at my average calorie intake for the week without having to blow out and just come up with some fucking shit excuse as to why I should just eat whatever I want. So in my opinion, cheat meals are bullshit. They don't work. They're not necessary and there's a much smarter approach to it. And also is like eating a cheat meal is just creating a really unhealthy relationship with food because you're basically saying the food you're eating makes you fat or is bad for you. And obviously in terms of, as we've said before, nutrients and whatnot, there's going to be certain foods that aren't as nutrient dense as others, but there's no such thing as good or bad food. Pizza doesn't make you fat. Burgers don't make you fat. Just like chicken breast and broccoli doesn't make you shredded. The overall calorie intake and energy output or energy balance is what creates the the manipulation or the change of body composition. So it's a hard no for cheat meals for me. Next one here is can I spot reduce body fat? And the answer is no. So this is in reference to doing a fuckload of crunches in order to make your abs look good. Everyone genetically will lose fat from different areas at a certain rate. So for me, if I gain body fat, it's typically around my midsection. If I'm getting really lean, the last place to lean out properly is my midsection. For other people, it might be the hips, it might be legs, it might be whatever, lower back. Just focus on eating in that calorie deficit for an extended period of time and in time, you will lose body fat from those stubborn areas. Just keep training them the same as you normally would. Don't do anything different. Don't rub any fucking stupid creams on the spots that you want to lose fat that you've bought from some stupid supplements store or whatever it may be. Don't do endless amounts of reps on this one body part because you hope it's going to get leaner quicker. It doesn't work. And you're wasting your time. You could be spending your time uh, much better by, by expending more energy overall, by doing a higher energy output, by increasing your steps or doing more compound movements or reducing your calorie intake, whatever it may be. There's no need to try and spot reduce body fat because you just can't, so you're wasting your time. Next question is, how much of a deficit should I be in? So how many calories below maintenance? In my intake, and keep in mind, this will change as the fat loss phase goes on. As your metabolism adjusts and adapts, your maintenance intake will start to creep down a little bit as the fat loss goes on. So you will need to make adjustments, and we'll talk about that in a second when I answer the question on plateaus. But... Start your deficit really small. So if you maintain weight at 3,000 calories, start at 29 or 2,800 like twenty-eight or 2,900 calories in my opinion, maybe slightly lower depending on how quickly you want to lose those initial few kilos or pounds or whatever we're talking about here. But a small deficit, 200 to 500 calories below maintenance, okay? Because when we go into a significantly large deficit and it's pretty much classified as crash dieting, Again, we lose weight and not fat. Our goal is to lose fat, not weight. Okay, I can uh, anyone can lose weight in a short period of time, but the goal is to lose fat. So, if I'm a thousand calories below my maintenance, of course I'm going to see results quick, but they're also going to plateau very quick, and it's also going to damage my metabolism, and it's also going to most likely result in muscle tissue loss as well. So, 200 to 500 calories below maintenance intake is perfect. Once uh, that kind of leads us into this next question, I feel. Um, but before I get onto that, I just want to reiterate that at the start of a fat loss phase, start in a small deficit because you're giving yourself room to move. I always talk about how when you start a fat loss phase, you want to be in a small deficit and be doing minimal training because we have room to move. We can add training in, we can take calories without things being shit. So many people 
like mentally pair a fat loss phase with just an absolute shit show or an absolute war to try and lose fat. It's because you're just doing it, approaching it the wrong way. If we can start with a fat loss phase, that's very comfortable. It should be quite easy all the way until you get deep into a deficit, to be honest. Like my most successful fat loss phases have felt easy, have felt very easy because I've been in a small deficit, enjoying my training, not overdoing it, losing fat at a good rate. When I plateau, which is the question I'm going to answer next, I make some adjustments and we keep going. But if I start off with a fuckload of training and absolutely no calories whatsoever pretty much, of course the experience is going to suck. Of course I'm not going to see great results and of course I'm not going to be able to stick to it. Okay, so try and make it as sustainable and uh, and enjoyable as possible so you can actually adhere to it. Next question is oh, the plateau. What happens when I hit a flat, fat loss plateau? So if you're doing what we've spoke about in all the questions so far, all right, so if you're tracking your intake, you know how much energy you're expending um, per – or you know how much training you're doing per week. Sorry, it's had a mental blank. When we hit a plateau, we have a few options. We can either slightly reduce calorie intake, we can slightly increase energy output, or we can do a very small amount of both. So reducing calorie intake will be coming from carbs and fats, a very small reduction of calories. So if I take 100 calories from my daily intake, that's 700 calories across the week, okay? It's going to kick uh, It's going to kickstart fat loss again. If I increase energy output, that might mean a little bit more um, volume in the gym in my workouts I'm already doing, or it might mean increasing frequency and adding another day, or it could mean adding a very small amount of cardio or just adding more cardio than whatever you're currently doing or a tiny amount of both. That's it. Very simple. Okay, very, very, very simple. Now, before I move into this last question, I do want to mention that like outside of nutrition and training, clearly there's other factors that come into play for fat loss, like stress levels and cortisol. Um, what else? Like recovery, the amount of sleep and stuff you're getting, hydration, which is a massive one, you know, taking care of your body and mobility and whatnot to allow yourself to actually train at a... At a at a high enough standard and high enough level and not get injured and miss sessions and whatnot. There's so many other factors that come into play, but if you're taking care of the main ones and the rest should be quite simple. It's just a matter of making small tweaks and adjustments in order to to make that a, uh, a reality and fix and kind of keep that fat loss going and, and make sure the process, again, is enjoyable um, and successful, of course. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to touch on um, with fat loss is... How many calories – people ask me all the time, how many calories should I be burning on my Apple Watch or my um, – what other watches are there? Garmin's, fucking Whoop, obviously, is, is an incredible accessory. Shout out to Whoop. Um, you can use the code DJK10 to save some money on that one. If you want to try Whoop, get a month free. Um, but moving on, how many calories should I be burning in my workouts in the gym? Okay, so the goal when you go in to do strength training in the gym is not to burn a fuckload of calories. The goal is to progressively overload or retain muscle tissue. Now, if you're training with intensity, then yes, you may burn a good amount of calories, which is great. But don't get too caught up and obsessed with tracking how many calories you burn in a session. A few reasons. Firstly, it's never that accurate. Okay, No matter what app you use, it's never 100% accurate. Okay, even if it's consistent, that's it's great. But the goal is not trying to burn a shitload of calories in every single workout. Again, what I said before, like our workouts make up for a very small percentage of our energy output for the day. 
So don't obsess over how many calories you burn because that doesn't equal a good or bad workout. Just like sweat, okay? The amount you sweat in a workout does not equate to a good or bad workout or whether you train to failure or whether you walk out of the gym feeling like you're fucking not going to be able to train for a week. These are all just different variables, but they don't necessarily mean we're going to see results. Now, the calorie calorie burn or the calorie expenditure on a watch can be a great way to motivate people, can be a great way to make sure you're training at enough of an intensity, but don't judge your workout as good or bad based off how many calories you burnt and don't get obsessed over that number, okay? Just be consistent with your training. Train hard, of course. Try and progressively overload or retain strength if you can. If it's a cardio session, that's different. Obviously, we're trying to expend energy in a cardio workout, whether it's HIIT, which obviously you're not, you may not going to, you may not burn a shitload of calories in the actual session itself, but afterwards, as your body is trying to catch up on the oxygen deficit that you've got, you're going to continue to burn energy after that session, which is one of the benefits of HIIT. If it's a steady state session, you may have a, a calorie number you're trying to aim for in your session, or you know, if you did 30 minute run, if you did a 30 minute run last week and got a certain distance or time or whatever, you obviously want to try and improve on that in your next session, or at least roughly hit the same thing to make sure it's consistent. But don't get overconsumed by by these things. Okay, so that kind of wraps us up. I mean, there's a million other questions I could answer, but I think that's plenty for you guys to to use for now. Um, but hopefully you've taken some value away from this and um, and I just want to make this process as simple as possible for you guys and effective as possible so that you see results and that you enjoy the process and that it's something that you feel comfortable with and, and understand. You know, As I said at the start, my goal is to, to help you guys understand the tools and, and, and have the tools necessary to control your own health and fitness goals or your own body composition goals whenever you like without having to rely on following a plan or being told what to do by someone else. You guys should be in control and hopefully today's episode has helped you out in some way or another. Um, if it has, then uh, as I said at the start, we'd love for you to show some love for the show and share the episode with someone. Um, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and um, – yeah, guys, I appreciate you tuning in and hope you have an awesome day. And as I said before, hopefully this has added some value for you guys.